have to offer a little bit of a, a disclaimer tonight. I guess that's what you would call it. <laughs> For those of you who tend to be a more of a glass half full type of personality, um, Tonight might be a little, like, hard for you, because um, I'm going to talk kind of from my heart and from my experience about how I tend to perceive the world um, and how some others of you in this congregation might perceive the world the same as I do. You may not relate to the glass half full type of mentality, um, but those of you that are glass half full type of personalities, take this as an opportunity to learn more about us what makes us tick, and how you might better be a light, um, better be a comfort, um, better be a ray of hope, love, joy, and peace. To those of us who are more of a glass half empty type of personality, okay? So I know none of you in this room are glass half empty type of personalities like me, surely not. But I don't know about you, but sometimes when I look at the world around me, Sometimes I, I'm filled with this feeling of despair. Um, I feel like it's completely <laughs> devoid of joy sometimes. And sometimes that's a reflection of my own situation, situations that I'm going through. And I know many of you out here in this congregation are dealing with various things or have dealt with various things. You know, you've dealt with health issues. You've dealt with losing loved ones, whether that's losing them through death or losing them through a broken relationship. You've dealt with issues with spouses, and you've dealt with issues with children. You've dealt with job issues. You've just dealt with general stress in general. <laughs> I mean, I know most of you in this room can relate to that feeling of just feeling stressed out and feeling overwhelmed by your situations. And you can probably fill in the blank with what you're going through right now that is kind of sucking the joy out of your heart, sucking the joy out of your life. And if you're honest tonight, you can say, you know what? I'm not feeling very joyous right now. You know, my heart's hurting. You know, if I'm really honest, I'm probably a little depressed because I see everything that's going on around me and it just it doesn't seem like an occasion for joy. And then we add to it the burden of what goes on in the world around us, and I know you see those things. All the people who are fighting with one another and can't seem to get along, this general attitude of I can't find unity and disagreement, so we just tear one another down. And then you've got issues of you know, war and poverty and homelessness and refugee situation and just all these social things that happen in our world around us that sometimes make us think, wow, this world is so broken and it is so hopeless I don't even know how I can look at this and find joy. And we're entering into a season of supposed joy. And if you're like me, sometimes the season seems kind of fake, like we're putting out there fake joy. Um, it doesn't seem real. It seems kind of put on sometimes, like it's Christmas. We should be partying, and we should be having fun, and yay. And I just kind of like almost want to go, <laughs> it's okay to laugh at that, OK? <laughs> it just makes me almost sick sometimes. Can I be real? Like really real with you guys tonight? Can I? Thank you. 
So for me personally, um, I deal with what could be called seasonal depression. And so this time of year is like really super duper hard for me. The days get shorter. Um, I'm an outdoorsy type person. My husband and I do a lot of hiking and biking and outdoorsy type stuff, sports and things like that. So when I can't get outside in the sunshine and enjoy that, nice warm temperatures, go out for a hike or a bike ride or just a walk or something, I begin to get really depressed. And as you know, these days are so short. Like it seems like it's dark not long after it's light. And so I just feel myself this time of year going down this spiral. And this past year has been a time of a lot of stress and a lot of change for me personally. I got engaged. Uh, John and I got married. Um, learning how to navigate living with my spouse, working through issues that come up, and learning how to live together productively as husband and wife. And I don't mean any of that negatively. That's just, you all know what that's like, those of you that are married that first year. You're just trying to get used to one another and figure out how that works <laughs> at CU. <laughs> yeah, I'd laugh too if I were you. Um, and on top of that, you know, I've had some major things that have happened where I had to switch churches and change ministry assignments. And um, of course, we moved um, when we got married. And then there's some issues that I've had with broken relationships in the last year. Um, my grandmother's in the final stages of COPD. Um, and my dad had this horrific ac accident that's basically left his hands paralyzed. And we're still wondering whether he's ever going to gain mobility back in his hands. And that is an interesting dynamic because I was never really close to my dad because he was such a workaholic. And so I'm navigating the issue of his health with also the issue of we've never had a great relationship to begin with. So trying to work through all that on top of it. So as you can see, it's been a stressful year. A lot of changes. A lot of bad stuff that's kind of happened and then you throw that on top of seasonal depression, it's not very easy. So I'm telling you all that to tell you guys, whatever you're feeling, I'm here for you. I understand, okay? Um, and it's okay to feel what you're feeling. It's okay to kind of feel like, maybe I don't want to feel very joyous right now, you know? Those emotions are okay. And I think that this season of Advent kind of welcomes that feeling. Because we almost feel like we're waiting for the light to dawn in our lives, for things to change for the better, for Christ to come and make whatever's broken in our lives, whatever's hurting in our lives, whatever's stressful in our lives, come and make that right somehow. I don't know about you, but that's kind of how I feel. I feel like I'm waiting for that. I just want him to come and like wipe it all out and make it all better, and then I don't have to think about it anymore. And Advent is that season of waiting. So we're in the right season to think about this, in my opinion. So we're waiting during Advent. 
We're waiting for the world as it is, in, even in its unhappiness, to be transformed by the coming of Christ. And we affirm during this time of year that there's a light coming into this world that's going to shine into that darkness that surrounds us, that feels like it's closing in on us sometimes. There's a light coming to shine into that darkness in our lives to bring that love, hope, joy, and peace to full fruition. Transforming all that's wrong and making it right. But if I'm honest, and if you're honest, sometimes it seems like we've been waiting forever for that to happen. That there's no light that's coming to transform the darkness. And I think if anybody can understand how we're feeling right now, I think it's the audience that John was writing to in our scripture today. And if you'll turn to John chapter 1, and if you're using your Bibles in your pews, that's page 881. We'll be reading verses 6 through 8 and 19 through 28. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. Down to verse 19. This is the testimony given by John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny it, but confessed, I am not the Messiah. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you a prophet? He answered, No. Then they said to him, who are you? Let us have an answer for those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. As the prophet Isaiah said, Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, Why then are you baptizing if you're neither the Messiah nor Elijah nor a prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water. Among you stands one whom you do not know, the one who is coming after me. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandal. This took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. So people back then, they had expectations just like we do now um, of what the light would look like when it came into the world. In the midst of the pain and the suffering that they were going through back then, they longed for and they hoped for a day when God would send his Messiah into the world to right what was wrong. And there's a lot of passages in, in Scripture, particularly the Old Testament, um, that came to be associated with how exactly what they hoped the Messiah would do when he came into the world. Some of what the Jewish people hoped was that the Messiah would come and would do things like end oppression, heal us, set us free from everything that has us in bondage, mental, emotional, physical, spiritual. 
comfort us in sadness, provide for all of our needs. Put an end to those who have hurt us and oppressed us. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? I know I would like to see that happen, especially in some of the situations that I've gone through, and I know some of the situations you've gone through, you would love to see that happen. They were waiting for God to send someone to turn their suffering into joy at last. It was, quite honestly, what the Jewish people had been waiting for for centuries at this point. And by the time that John wrote this gospel, they're still waiting. So then our main man from today's passage, John the Baptist, comes on the scene. And their ears kind of perk up a little bit. Okay, there's this weird guy wandering around in the wilderness, doing all these strange things. He's talking about the Messiah having arrived, or might be arriving soon. And people start following him. And people start asking questions, because when you see some weird guy spouting this message, you think, okay, are you the Messiah? And he's asked this, are you the Messiah? Has the light and the darkness finally come? We're hoping, praying, please. Can there finally be joy in whatever situations we're going through? There just seems to be a lot of noise and a lot of buzz surrounding John the Baptist because those people are just like us. They want to know that something has finally come to put an end to whatever they're going through and bring joy into their lives, bring hope into their lives, bring peace into their lives. They want to know that there is finally a light in the darkness and all that waiting is finally over. And I notice here that the Gospels, and not just John's Gospel, but in other places in the Gospel, I notice that they never really say how long John had a, had a following before he specifically and blatantly says to them that he isn't the Messiah. So I almost think that people were following him because they believed that he really, truly could have been the Messiah. And they wanted that ray of hope, desperately. And if that's what they're thinking, then John disappoints. He bursts their bubble entirely. Because this group of people from the Pharisees come asking questions, and the cat's out of the bag. They ask him whether he's the Messiah. Nope, I'm not the Messiah. Okay. I'm not a prophet. I'm just an average dude, just like you all. Just testifying to what I know. And what I know is that that one is coming very soon. And it brings me joy to be a messenger of that simple truth. 
And I can imagine at this point that they probably felt quite a bit of disappointment. Just like we do when we hope that God will intervene in a certain way, the set way that we have in our heads in a situation. And it doesn't quite happen the way that we hoped. So I know that they're probably just like us. They're probably very disappointed when things don't work out the way they'd hoped. And their hope is that the Messiah had come to make everything right. And I think that's how we feel today. I think that we're just like the people in John's time. We live in a time where we're waiting for that relief just like they were. And Jesus has come once already. And during that time, we saw who God is and what he wants us to be like and what he wants the world to be like. But things still aren't quite right. And so we're still waiting for that transformation from dark to light. We're still waiting for that pain to be transformed somehow into joy. And there's a glimmer of that transformation that can be seen in what Jesus did the first time that he came. But we're still here. And we're still waiting for things to be fully transformed, to fully be made right. And sometimes, if we're honest, we're still wondering when is the joy going to come. I just lighten it up a little bit here at this point. So I have a top five list of Christmas movies that are like my Christmas movies that I have to watch every single year. And Sheila mentioned one of them last week, National Lampoon's Christmas. That's one of my top five favorites. But another movie that's on that list is uh, Frank Capra's It's a Wonderful Life. And despite how cheesy and how dated it seems in places in today's day and age, the overall message of the movie is one that I deeply resonate with. So for those of you who may not know, and I'm sure all of you do, but just in case, just a refresher, um, in case you've forgotten, or maybe you don't know, um, that movie follows the life of the lead character, George Bailey, from childhood till about middle adulthood. And George is a kind of a happy-go-lucky, make-lemonade-out-of-lemons type of personality. But positive George suffers some massive setbacks in life. And he ends up saying, I wish I was never born. And he decides that he's going to end it all. That is until an angel, Clarence, you remember Clarence? comes and shows him what the world would be like if he'd never been born. And he shows him that there's a purpose to your life, George, despite everything that's happened to you. That you've done so much to help others in their time of need. Their time of joylessness, if you will. You've been the indirect source of joy for so many people in their times of need and suffering. 
And George, all of a sudden, wakes up. And he's like, you know what? You're right. And that's something to be happy about. And so his joy comes back, and he can't wait to share it with everyone. He's running around the streets like a fool. Merry Christmas, everyone, you know. He sees it. Things are still bad at this point in the story. It's not till the end of the story that the community comes and helps him out in his situation. But he realizes there is some joy to be found in my situation, even as bad and as hopeless as it seems. I wonder, what if seeing and experiencing joy in these seasons of joylessness and pain, what if it involves all of us functioning as a community? What if functioning as a community should function is how we actually experience that Jesus is here even in this season of joylessness and waiting? What if there's like an ebb and a flow, kind of a give and a take? You know, what if one moment we're like John's audience here in our Bible story? And we're going through hard times, and we're waiting for the light to come. And somebody comes to us, and they function as a messenger. They function kind of like a Clarence in It's a Wonderful Life. And they point us to the joy that can be found all around us, even in the midst of the hard times. They share a message with us that they understand what we're going through. They don't try to make it better or ignore it. They're honest with us. I know what you're going through because I feel it too. And they point us to the joy that they found in the midst of the season of waiting and wondering. And our task is to hear the message that they're trying to tell us, to receive that message, and to find the joy in our own circumstances through their support. But... What if then after that, see that ebb and flow, what if we're called in return to be simple messengers to others of the joy that we've found in the midst of our own pain? Like I said, being real with others. Don't sugarcoat it. Don't be afraid of what you're feeling. Tell others, you know what? I've been through this, and it sucks. But I found joy in the midst of this somehow. And you can find it too.
And I certainly don't mean sharing to call attention to ourselves, to gain sympathy. It's just simply sharing with others so that they know they're not alone in what they're feeling and that someone else has been there and they've found their way through those feelings. To joy, not an outward fake kind of joy like we see sometimes this time of year, but a joy that comes from in here in recognizing what we do have and what God has given us, even if things aren't as we wish. God can use our circumstances and the feelings that we feel and the feelings that we want to hide from others. He can use that to minister to others. Very profoundly, as I've experienced. We don't have to whitewash life or our feelings or our circumstances. We can share that with others so that they can know, as I said before, that they're not alone and we can help them to find the light of joy in the darkness that they may not find without us. And so I want to ask us tonight, are we open to being messengers? Sharing our deepest pain and the joy that we found in it to point others to the joy that's coming for them. As we enter into a time of communion, in communion we celebrate that this light of joy is coming into the world. And in some ways it's here, and in some ways we're still waiting. But we're reminded in communion that the light has come and it is coming into the world. And it's that light that knits us together as a community. It's that light that fills us with love and it fills us with compassion for one another. And it shows us how to share the joy we found in our circumstances with those who are struggling alongside us on this journey that we call life. So we want to come to the table today and we want to celebrate that. So if you'll exit your pews and come out this side row, come across here and grab the gluten-free wafer and dip it in the juice, come down the center aisle and Go back to your seats. Asking for that light to come into your own soul. To shine light into those places where you've been really struggling with joy. To help you to share your story with somebody else so that maybe they can be a messenger to you and help you. Or so that maybe you can be a light of joy in the midst of pain to them. So think about that as you come to the table tonight.